Okay, so this is TD, the future OD, um, episode one, officially coming at you live. Um, So my idea for this episode that I kind of had was to give you guys a little bit of a background on who I am, um, how I came up, how I even got into the field of optometry myself, and just kind of where I'm at right now and a little bit on maybe where I want to take it in the future. So, all right, let's go back to 1998. We're taking it way back to when a star was born. So I'm just a kid from Columbus, Ohio, um, born and raised there. Um, and now I'm I'm an optometry student, second year, um, in my second semester. So I just started uh, clinical skills, um, patient care, um, and I just feel like this transition and this point in my life that I feel like I've reached kind of a new height that, you know, was kind of mostly just a dream for me. Um, didn't know if I'd actually be able to make it here and, and be a, a clinician and be able to affect change uh, in people's lives on a daily basis. So I feel like I'm in the point right now where I need to share, I guess, my experience up until this point uh, my experiences that I'm going through right now, kind of my upbringing, so that you guys can understand a little bit more about where I'm coming from. So, I mean, as a black kid in Ohio, um, life was was pretty different than, than what it is now. Um, just honestly, as a kid and growing up and, and becoming a man, things have just changed, and I've just truly seen the world for what it is. And I'm really thankful for having parents that are educated and that really, really made me understand about what the African-American experience in America really is like, you know, because growing up, you have this this notion, I guess, as an American citizen that I guess anything is possible as long as you work hard. Right. That That's kind of what they tell you in school. Right. But, you know, I didn't really understand what it meant and why my parents were so cautious, but but hard at the same time in making sure that I was doing the things that I needed to do, making sure that I was well behaved and and making sure that, um, you know, I was on the trajectory, the right trajectory. And now that I've gotten older um, I've taken some uh, sociology courses about the black community in undergraduate um, and just kind of the knowledge that I've gained just living life. I, I really understand now uh, a lot of why my parents did what they did, uh, why society looks the way that it does, and uh, why the experience that we have as black individuals in this country is so unique. Um, so a little bit about my upbringing. Uh, I started off my education in Columbus public schools and public school system. 
Um, but thankfully, my parents were able to, to move the family out to the suburbs um, when I went to third grade. So funny enough, my mom actually uh, works as a teacher still, bless her heart, because I know that is a job that requires a lot of patience. And, you know, just from going in, helping her on some days as I got older, I can really tell that it takes a special type of person to do that job. And my, and my mom is definitely a special type of person in, in more ways than one. She's amazing. Um, but, you know, um, she actually happened to be my art teacher. <laughs> I think it was in first grade, second grade, something like that um in Columbus public schools and I mean it, it was a pretty cool experience I don't really remember it all that much you know because I was what like six years old so you know this is like 16 years ago or 17 years ago you know at this point so it was a long time ago but I really value the fact that my parents were educated themselves um both graduated from both high school and college they have degrees um and i'm really proud of what both of them have been able to accomplish in their lives um because they themselves grew up in in poverty situations of um you know lacking through resources that you know a lot of people that look like us uh, don't have, you know, they grew up in similar situations, um, you know, just kind of a bleak and abysmal place to grow up. Um, and they really made something out of their lives. You know, they, they believed in better for themselves and, and the family as a unit. And I really, really applaud them for doing the groundwork for me to then have a springboard to, to take off with my own life dreams and aspirations. So, you know, if y'all are ever hearing this, you know, you, mom and dad, you've been very invaluable to me. Um, and I just can't stress how proud I am of y'all for making it out of a situation like that. You know, my dad used to tell me stories about the things that they had to do to survive because they lacked resources and were so impoverished and it, it really broke my heart some of the things that he said one story in particular that in the winter time it was so cold in their house and and my dad grew up with a lot of siblings and he grew up with a single mother you know and it was probably i don't know maybe like seven of them in the house it was it was a lot of people in that house but you know, she worked, I believe, multiple jobs to, to support the household. And you can imagine a single mother trying to support all those kids. It's 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 a less than ideal situation. And he used to tell me that, you know, in the winter times, his job would be to go out in the alleyways and scrounge scrap for material that, you know, was left out there that they could burn to to produce heat because it was so cold in the house that you could see your breath. And, you know, if it's that cold inside the house, that's not really a good quality of life for anyone to lead. And so he told me one day that 
they had this table in the living room and they he couldn't find anything in the alley he had been searching and he came back and he said there's nothing in the alley that we can burn you know so my grandmother uh lover bless her uh wish i could have known her more in my life but she uh she told him that they had the coffee table and that they needed to cut up the coffee table so they had to dismantle their coffee table and burn it just to have heat so that they wouldn't freeze in the winter time and that story right there resonated with me still resonates with me to this day and it just kind of makes me understand like wow you have done so much in life to take yourself from a situation like that to being able to have a child that is becoming a doctor like you fostered an environment for me to be able to succeed and chase my dreams when you were living in a situation that you know you it was so dire like and it's just like wow that's insane to me so like ever since i heard that story and it resonated with me it kind of sparked a flame in me to like always strive for better always strive to do the best that I can in everything that I do. And he always told me growing up that, you know, he didn't really care what I did just as long as I was happy. And, you know, a lot of people that I've come up with and a lot of people that I've met in my lifetime say that their parents have, you know, always wanted them to become like doctors and lawyers or engineers or something like that. And it's just, it's it's great because my parents never really put that type of pressure on me. You know, my parents always told me that the more it's more important to be happy in your life because if you have your happiness then you know, it's it's not going to be hollow. And now I I really understand that because if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, you're just doing it just to do it. You know, once you finally get there, you're going to feel a feeling of emptiness, you know, because you don't have anything left to to grind for. So for me, I knew that my passion was always going to be to help other people. I didn't know what facet I wanted to help other people in. Uh, it's certainly starting off wasn't optometry that was not my life goal at first um in specific i had a feeling that i was going to end up wanting to be a doctor uh, but i just didn't know what type of doctor i didn't know how to get there like i just felt completely lost like there was no real like blueprint for me so i just knew that i wanted to do something to help other people out so as I moved out to the suburbs in third grade, you know, little little black boy out in the suburbs. Um, it was it was definitely a little different than where I first started off in public school. Um, but thankfully, I was able to to make friends in the neighborhood. And it just so happens that, you know, one of my best friends that I ended up making uh, his mom was actually an optometrist. And she was involved with 
the Ohio State University College of Optometry. She was a faculty member there. And so, you know, kind of as I'm getting older, we can fast forward through the elementary and middle school years. So we just fast forward to like high school time now. So high school rolls around and it's time for me to start thinking about, you know, what what is it that I want to do with my life? Like what kind of career do I want to pursue? And so I'm talking to my parents. I don't really know what I want to do. And then I talk to my best friend's mom and she talks to me about her job, you know, as an optometrist. And I'm listening and I'm like, hmm, okay, like you're a doctor, which is, you know, that's to me, that's pretty high up. Like that's that's status. Like, oh, you're a doctor. Wow. Like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't understand how valuable of a connection that was as a little kid. But, you know, as I got older, I started to understand, like, wow, you're a doctor. And then to take it a step up from that, you're a black doctor. That's crazy. Like, I have this connection right here. Let me tap into it. So I tapped into the connection. I asked her, like, okay, what is it that I have to do to get there, too? Like, I want to be a doctor, too. And just talking to her about optometry and her explaining to me that, you know, it's it's so much more than just, like, giving people a pair of glasses or prescribing somebody some contact lenses. Because as a kid, I had terrible eyesight and I've been wearing glasses since a very young age. And I remember when I got my first pair of contacts that it was like a life changer for me because like, you know, it's kind of hard going through like middle school as a kid and you got glasses. I was the one geek kid that had the glasses and braces too. So, you know, that cafeteria lunch table, (laughs) it was tough. You know, you, you get roasted at the at the lunch table, man. So going through that, it was what it was. You know, it it happens to everybody. Um, it definitely made me a better person. It made me be able to laugh and joke about myself. But I mean, that's besides the point. The real point is that talking to her really expanded my mind and it really it really showed me that, you know, this, this actually, this doctor thing could be attainable for me. And so I just did as much as I could to talk to her about the field, to gain information. And I went to like a early college high school. So like it was a, it was an unconventional high school. Um, it was a, a high school in which you it's accelerated. So like heavy, heavy STEM emphasis and STEM being science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, I knew about it because I had a family friend that had went to the same high school and I don't know why, but I, (laughs) I wanted to go to a high school in a different part of the city. I, I really don't know why, but I ended up going to the early college high school and by your 11th grade year, is when you get put into like a, a a track, like a pre-professional track, you know? So I chose the medical track in which you start off with like uh, biology and anatomy, things of that nature to just kind of get you ready and geared up for uh, a pre-medical track uh, to go to college. 
And so through that, I was able to take classes at The Ohio State University, um, which were pre-med classes, like your basic intro to biology, intro to chemistry, you know, stuff like that. And I realize now that that was probably the best decision that I could have made for myself. But I mean, back then, I was thinking to myself, like, why did I not just go to regular high school? Like, I could have been chilling, like I could have had a much easier workload, I could have played sports, like, you know, I I could have had so much more fun in high school. Not saying I didn't have fun, because I did, but I could have had more fun had <laughs> I went the regular conventional route. But now, looking back on it, that really was probably the best decision that I could have made for myself, because it just made me, I believe, mature at a much faster rate, because... I was taking college courses when I was like 15. So, and you know, in college, them professors don't play. Like, you are treated like an adult. And I was only 15 years old. So I was like, whoa, like, this is mad different than high school. Like, I got to adjust. And at first, it was definitely tough. Like, I I didn't get A's in those classes in, in high school that were for college credit. I didn't get A's. And I wasn't used to that level of difficulty. So I really had to step it up uh, going into my like junior and senior year. It, it made me really level myself up. And so I felt like it was good for me because by the time I was ready to apply for regular undergraduate, that I was already a step ahead of everybody else. And so fast forward, I graduate high school and... I'm I'm going to college. I end up choosing the University of Cincinnati because I didn't really get a great financial aid package from Ohio State, which, you know, a lot of people from Columbus, they just go to Ohio State because it's in town. You know, it's the big university. Everybody goes there. But me, I've always been a different person that's wanted to go my own route on things. You know, I'm a very unconventional person. I like to do my own thing. I don't really follow the crowd like that. So I apply to UC, I get in, I I get a scholarship um, from the Jackie Robinson Foundation, which is a minority scholarship, uh, obviously for, you know, black and brown people of color um, to be able to attend college. But what I didn't really, I guess, understand fully at first was the amount of networking opportunities that I was going to get out of that scholarship program. And so one of the perks of that scholarship is that you get to attend a yearly conference summit in New York City, and you get to network with students all across the country from all different schools. And so I guess fast forward through my first year of undergrad, um, and we get to the conference, and just... Being, this is my first time in New York City, too, so it's a little bit of sensory overload. We're staying in a hotel in Times Square. I'm like, wow, this is insane. This is everything I could have imagined it to be and more. Like, wow, Times Square, this this place is, is crazy, right? It's popping. Like, so we go through the the leadership summit and... I can feel the program already maturing me. And, you know, this is, this is a program that 
you know, not everybody gets selected to this. This is an honor to be a member of this society. It's an honor to be a Jackie Robinson Foundation scholar. So I'm not taking this lightly. I'm there on my best behavior. I'm there trying to engage and learn. And it's really a great program because they really have a lot of different members of the community um, that are out there really doing the thing. And they bring them in. You know, we're talking about like people that f have founded their own businesses. Like we're talking about people in healthcare, doctors, engineers, like people that are really doing their thing. And they come in to this leadership conference in New York and they basically just have, I guess, kind of like lecture style presentations to us, but we're allowed to engage with them as well. And so they're giving us tips basically on how we need to navigate through college so that we can get to where we want to get to. And they talk about everything, you know, like not just the professional side of things, but they talk about the personal side of things. You know, we talk about how we're doing in our own lives, like what kind of challenges we're facing, uh, basically everything about being a college student, you know, stuff that happens in the classroom, outside of the classroom, like all of it. And now that I've graduated uh, from undergrad and I'm in professional school, looking back on that, again, one of the best things to ever happen to me in my life was to be a part of that foundation. And so every year when I got to the conference, we got I got to go all four years of my undergrad. So every year it was something to look forward to because, you know, I made friends that were across the country at different universities. And each time we linked up, you know, it was always all love and it was fun. But at the same time, you know, it's 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 pushing you to want to be better. Like if you go to the conference, you're going to have that flame ignited inside of you that said that says like, OK, I'm ready to blaze my own path. I'm ready to get on it like I'm ready to, to start grinding because you're just surrounded by all that black excellence. You know, it would be it'd be squandering the opportunity if you didn't, you know, want to level yourself up after an event like that. And so I think that really, really helped in my maturity for me to get through undergrad um, and to remain focused on my goals. I decided that I wanted to be an optometrist um, when I was going into my freshman year. And, you know, back then, I still don't really think that I knew quite what I was getting into. I knew like a general idea about what an optometrist was and that it was more than just glasses and contacts. But, you know, I didn't really think about what exactly it all meant until I got to optometry school. Until it, well, actually until it was time to apply for optometry school. Because then I was like, okay, this is the point where I really got to decide if I'm serious with this or not, because there's money on the line. You know, you got to pay to take the, the optometry admissions test. You know, you got to pay to submit your applications to schools, and then you got to pay to get to the interview. Like, so at this point, it's like my my senior year of undergrad, and I'm getting ready to apply, and that's when it really hits me. It's like, wow, like, dude, you're about to graduate. Like, your life is really about to begin. Like, for a lot of people, this is this is it for school. Like, 
you know, some people didn't even make it to undergrad. So I felt blessed just to be able to attend undergrad. But then here I am about to take this next step in my life. And I I sent in my application. I took my OAT and it, it didn't really go as I thought it would go. It, it, it didn't turn out as good as I wanted it to. But at the end of the day, I still got offers. And so I'm going to my very first optometry school interview. It's at Midwestern University in Chicago. And I can just remember, this is the most nervous I've probably ever been in my life is going to this interview. And I get to the interview. I'm going up there with my dad and and we're driving up to Chicago and, you know, we're just having a casual conversation. And, you know, he he starts talking to me like, okay, so is this really what you want to do with the rest of your life? Like, is this really your career choice? Because, you know, you don't have to do this. Like, you know, my my mom and dad, like they, they, they were telling me basically like, you know, we're going to be okay with whatever you choose to do in your life, just so long as you're happy and you're doing the right thing. And so I tell him, I'm like, yeah, this, this really is the direction I want to head towards. Um, I really do want to be a doctor. I really do want to make a change and, and help people out. So, you know, we get to the interview and I'm nervous as hell. I'm I'm sweating on the inside. It's like, oh my God, like, am I going to get this? Did we just waste our time? Like, do they even want me? Like, because my test scores are not that good. Like, how did I even get this interview? Like, how am I even here right now? You know, all the self-doubt that you have that your brain feeds you whenever you're in a, a stressful situation. And so do the interview and... I think about maybe three days later, I get the, the, the offer, the invite that I got in. So instantly burden relieved off my shoulders. I'm like, thank you, God. I instantly prayed. I'm like, thank you, God. Like you really looked out for me because I did not do my due diligence on that test. Um, but you made a way for me. And so couple of couple of weeks you know month goes by i submit my other applications i get another interview at illinois college of optometry also in chicago get to that interview get accepted there as well um i'm applying to ohio state you know because that's the local option and that's gonna save me the most money i figure you know that's probably my fallback i'm an, a columbus kid like of course they're gonna want me um, I apply to the University of Houston just because, like, eh, I'd never really been to Texas before, but I feel like that would be a nice adventure for me. It's also the second cheapest option because you get in-state tuition after a year. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know if I even want to go to Houston. Like, I've never been to Texas before. Like, what the hell is even out there for me? So I just, I send an application, just whatever. I applied to Nova Southeastern as well uh, because it's in Fort Lauderdale and I've been to South Florida before and it's a uh, it's great weather, great vibes, a great time. Um, so fast forward through all that, I get into all of the schools except for Ohio State and I'm thinking to myself, how, how in the world did they not accept me? Because 
I think it was two years prior or one year prior, something like that. It was sometime in undergrad. I think it was my junior year of undergrad. They had like a summer event for prospective students that were going to apply. And I went to it. Um, it's called IDOC, basically. And it was for like, um, I think primarily minority students, honestly, to be able to learn about the field and to go and spend some time at Ohio State to tour like the facilities and, and the campus. And I thought I built pretty good rapport with the staff. Like they, they liked me. They um, they saw the potential in me. But I remember I got a call from one of the staff that I had liked and, and she had liked me. But she said that my test scores just weren't good enough and that it was just it was tough. But they had to make the decision. And so I said, well, it looks like I'm going to have to go elsewhere then. So. I ended up committing to the University of Houston after crunching the numbers and figuring out that that was going to be my cheapest option now because Ohio State was off the table. So here I am, University of Houston College of Optometry. And, you know, I'm trying to join the Facebook groups to see what's up. Like, who's in this class with me? Like, what's the personnel looking like? Like, I want to know who are these people that I'm about to spend the next four years of my life with. So I look there and I see a couple black faces. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am not alone because I really thought I was going to be by myself because I'm thinking like optometry school ain't no way. But thankfully, I was not the only one. And I felt so much comfort. I remember when I first came down to Houston, I first moved here. Um, I had met one of the guys, a uh, really good friend of mine, classmate, um, and instantly I knew from talking to him that this was going to be a chapter in my life that I was going to level up, you know. This was the time for me to really grind and really mature and become a man, you know, because in undergrad, I, you know, I, I matured for sure, but you know how undergrad is if you've ever been to undergrad and sometimes you're not really doing what you should be doing um so i knew that coming here and starting school i was gonna have to really 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 get serious and so i start my first year of classes uh it's two other black dudes in the program and and two other black girls in the program but at the same time, what I did not expect was that the whole cohort pretty much was cool. Like, everybody really was cool. Like, I was expecting it to be a whole bunch of, like, science nerds. Like, everybody's always in the books. Like, nobody has fun. Like, it's literally study 24-7. And then throughout the first few weeks, I figure out, wow, these people are actually chill. You know, I, I, I kind of like it here in Houston. Like everybody's cool but at the same time we're all motivated we're all chasing a bag we're doing our thing you know but one thing that you know really still even in my second year now doesn't really sit well with me is that in my class there are five black people and this is a class of like a hundred students so i'm just thinking like how how is it that 
you know, this type of thing continues to happen. We're in the year 2022, and yet still, there are only five black faces in here. And, I mean, I didn't really expect it to be, like, a lot of black faces, which is unfortunate considering the society that that we live in. But, I mean, it's to be expected because I understand why things are the way they are. And I understand the barriers that exist that people of color specifically have to overcome to even get the chance to apply for a position to be in a program like this. So it, I understand that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of us at this stage at uh, a graduate doctorate program, you know, like I get it. It's unfortunate, but I get it. And, you know, this kind of just thinking about this has just led me to want to affect change in the future. You know, I want it to be so that by the time I have kids or my kids have kids, that instead of five out of 100, we can maybe get to 20, 25. You know, I want it to be more inclusive i want to bring in more diversity and really the plan for this podcast is you know i'm talking about my experience just as a black male but i would like to enhance all the diversity i'd like to make this inclusive for everybody you know of course i'm going to look out for my people because you know it how could i not like I'm in a position where I feel like in a few years, I'm going to have my OD. I'm going to have a certain level of, I guess, status in society. And that's not to brag or toot my own horn, but, you know, I, I worked hard for this. I worked my butt off to get to this point. And I feel like if I'm at this level in society, I need to do my due diligence to make it So that other people that look like me have more opportunities to get to where I'm at. You know, I'm the type of person that I want to put all my homies on. I want to put all my people on like like I want to see all my homies make it, too. I want to see everybody come up, you know, and it even extends past the homies. Like, I just want to see my people. I want to see my people achieving these goals i want to see more black doctors i want to see more black engineers i want to see more black lawyers i want to see more black excellence because we've always lived in a society where we've been treated as less than and where we've had to do twice the work to be at the same level if not lower so i feel like i'm going to be in a position where I'm able to bless others. And so if I'm in that position and I can help out my fellow people, then you better believe I'm going to do it. Not because it's going to make me look good, not because they're going to be calling things the Timothy Davis Hall for such and such, but because it's morally the right thing to do. And it's what I want to do. So... You know, this podcast, I have a plan for this podcast that I'm going to bring in guest speakers 
that, you know, some of them will look like me, some of them will not look like me. And I want to be able to promote diversity for all. I was raised that, you know, everybody, you treat everybody the way you would like to be treated, you know, and unfortunately, our society may not really believe in that. But I believe that that really is the key to making the world a better place. So I I think I went a little bit long this time, but this will be a wrap for the official episode one. This is just a little bit of, I guess, background on me and where I stand, kind of the path I took to get here, a little bit of my personal experiences. Um. And this is just me just candidly expressing my thoughts, expressing my mind. I'm just speaking from the heart, basically. So, yeah, that's that's episode one. And episode two will be coming soon. And keep it locked here. Thoughts with TD, the future OD. We have some uh, some great things coming in the future. So, yeah, thanks for listening.